This broadcast is part of the IC Robots Radio Network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. special program, WKRP in Cincinnati and Lou Grant will not be presented this evening. Tonight's special presentation is brought to you in part by Hardee's. We're out to win you over. And by Clorox, the makers of Tilex Tile Cleaner. Prepare yourself for an in-depth examination of something mundane from Icy Robot's day-to-day existence. Welcome to This Boring Life. Hey kids, it is me, Icy Robots, and I am back for another exciting and I hope informative episode of This, This Boring Life, the show in which we talk about the origin story of Icy Robots, one topic at a time, and the topic we are going to tackle this week is one that's really near and dear to my heart. We are going to talk about bikes. Yes, bicycles. You are listening to IC Robots Radio. Bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle. I I absolutely love riding bikes. I ride a bike maybe four times a week if I can. I love riding bikes. There's just something so fun and so free about flitting around on your bike. Right now I have like a black one-speed bike with these these really dope red rims. I I ride it around and I I, I get polka stops. I think I've I think I've talked about this before. I also, I like to ride up and down hills. I just have, I just have such a fun and fancy free time when I'm out there on my bike. I I recommend it to anybody. If you haven't done it in a while, don't worry. You will not, you will not forget how it's as natural as anything that there is. I, I think I'm going to pattern this episode in the same way that I do most of the other ones, I'll talk about, like, my early bike riding memories, like my first bike, different bikes that I that I went through as a kid, how I learned to ride a bike. And then I'll talk about, like, my middle bike riding years. I, I used to ride my bike to work. I worked in the downtown area, and I would ride my bike to work every day and every day back home. And I'll, I'll talk about that and that period of bike riding, and then I'll... I kind of finish it off with, you know, just some talk about riding bikes now and stuff like that. This should be, this should be a lot of fun. I've been looking forward to this. Bike riding has always, always been a big part of my life. I like the fitness aspects. I just like a lot about it, about it. And it was like a huge part of my life when I was a kid. It was the only way you can get around. Once you're, once you're like a bike able kid, your world 
expands so, so much. And even now as an adult, like, of course you have a car and your range is limitless, but your bike, your bike enhances your near range so much. Like there are places, there are places in your neighborhood that you maybe, maybe they're too far to walk, but they're also, they're also like too near to drive. A bike opens up all these places. It opens up all these like smaller channels that you just don't go down in a car. You, you have a different, a different form of freedom. And I, I really do enjoy that. I get to, I get to check out different parts that I might not get to check out because they're just kind of a little off the direct car path. I, I think just go, go get your bike. Just go have a good time, ride around, flit about. But, uh, let's, let's get started into this. We shall begin with, we'll talk about how I learned to ride a bike. It'll be, this is gonna be fun. My, like, super earliest bike memory was the day that my dad took me out to try to teach me to ride a bike. This was, this was back when we lived in Oak Lawn, so it had to be pre-fourth grade. I, I think that it was, it was like a few years before we moved, so it was probably like first or second grade. I didn't have a bike. He borrowed a bike from somewhere else, and he took me to a park, and he did the, he did the gimmick where he... He like guided me along and then as as I started to go along on my own he let go and I was I was traveling along by myself when he said look look turn around I'm not I'm not holding on and when he did that I I panicked and just I went straight down in a heap I and I recall it being like a horrible spill but that wasn't necessarily the case I just hadn't taken many spills at that point onto, you know, onto the hard concrete yet. So it probably, it probably seemed much worse than it was, but I was, I was a bit of a wuss and I was traumatized and I did not, I did not, not, not want to, didn't want to try again. So as I recall, my dad got frustrated with me. We stopped and that was it for years because I didn't have a bike of my own. This was some bike he borrowed from somewhere else. I have no idea where, but I had, I had no bike of my own and I, I had friends at Harnu who rode bikes and I, I recall they would sometimes go off on their bikes and I would like, I would like jog along behind them because I was such a lame. I was that lame. I was the lame that jogged with the other, the other bike kids and that was no fun. I, I was not, I was not happy with that at all. And a lot of times I wouldn't even go because I didn't want to jog, but I was too much of a wuss to like ride a bike because when you're a kid, you know, the first time you get on a bike, it's really, it's a risk that is above all the other risk levels you have taken up to this point. You know, your first risk is learning how to walk. Then you start to run. Then you go outside by yourself. And after a while, when you get up to the bike risk, this is, this is fairly risky because you could like fall off and hurt yourself. You know, you always have, you have these visions as a, as a kid of like, going over the handlebars and landing on your face and I I would fret and worry about stuff like that and it it affected me you know learning learning how to ride a bike as a as a little baby here here's a story this is this is an oak lawn story one time I went to my my cousin's uh little league game over in Burbank and there was there was like a dirt track around the outside of the the outside area of the ballpark right and kids would like they had like BMX bike over there and stuff, and I, I wasn't super into baseball at the time, so I, I drifted over to the the BMX course, and I was, I watched the like the other kids and the dudes like go around, and I was being a lame again. I was like, I was like jogging out near the uh, 
the BMX track, and I started, I was, like, talking to these kids who were older than me. I was, like, second grade or third grade, and these are, like, I'm thinking, like, sixth grade, maybe, like, like middle school, junior high kids, and I, I was talking to them, and they were, they were showing me, like, their BMXs, and it was all cool and stuff, and then... Then they started, like, I, I'm thinking they were pulling a prank on me. They started pulling this prank. They're like, you got to get out of here, kid. There's this there's this guy called the pig, and when the pig comes around, man, he kills every kid that he sees. And I I think I hear him coming. Do you, do you hear him? And the other kid starts going, yeah, I hear the pig. And then he starts making, like, like this freaked-out oinking noise. And then they start, like, oinking in my face. And like, the pig's coming, kid. The pig's coming. And I... I got super scared and ran off because I was, you know, I was a little wuss and I'm running and I'm running and I could hear them screaming like, the pig's right behind you. He's right behind you. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I'm just like running till I got back to the, back to the baseball field. And I was, I was too scared to look back. As I recall, I didn't even want to, I didn't even want to like look over my shoulder for fear that the pig might really be there, and also for fear that he might not be. I might have been just like a complete Mizark, you know, getting getting clowned by these kids, because I was such a little nerd, but I, I don't know, maybe there was somebody there. I really don't think there was somebody there, but you never do know. I, I know there wasn't. So, all through the Oak Lawn era, I was the dingus that ran behind the kids who... The kids who had bikes. The kid next door, Steve, he had a bike. This kid I knew around the corner, he had a bike. And they would all, they would all, like, ride around. Not, not super far. Mostly, like, up to the park that was around the corner or around the block or maybe to the, to the schoolyard. And these were all places that I was, that I was allowed to go on my own without having to, having to ask permission or anything. So I could go along with them, but they would... They would be riding on their bikes, and I would be jogging behind them, and I am no long-distance runner, so I I would usually arrive a long time after after they got there. They would jam off to Harnu, and I would, I would jog behind them, and by the time I got there, they were already often involved in what was, what was going on, so I, I got left out of a lot of the the formative game playing times. I would be the one who has to come in late and they have to explain what's going on and all that stuff. You would have thought that with the amount of running that I did that I that I might have picked it up to the point where I could I could maybe make it in time, but I also ate a lot of fried bologna sandwiches and stuff like that. So I was never and I'm still not like super fit. I I've never excelled at running either. I, I don't know. I should have learned to ride a bike, but I, I lived in fear of hurting myself. And it was, it was a deal like if I had a bike, if I owned a bike, I probably would have learned to ride it on my own. I, I am the sort that tends to learn things at, at my own pace. You can, you can give me the quick once over and if it's something simple of course I'll get it but if it's like if it's like a major life skill like riding a bike I will I will often have to have to take some time and ease into it and if I would have owned a bike I would have been able to ease into it but I did not have I did not have one of my own I think that my folks they they may have been waiting for me to learn how to ride a bike and then they would get me a bike like they wanted to see 
that I could use it before they would make the make the investment in a Schwinn or a Huffy or whatever, but I wasn't the type that was going to do that, so that never really worked out, and it wasn't, it wasn't for like years and years and years that I got my own bike. We had already moved to California, moved to Santa Rosa, I was going to Binkley, and I think that what I really think is they got sick of driving your dude to school every morning. A lot of kids around that time were riding bikes to school, as as is a very healthy thing to do. So while everybody was, you know, riding their bikes to school and locking them up in the rack at Binkley, I, I was one of the dudes getting a ride. Eventually, they kind of cut that out. They said, look... We can't take you in the morning. Me and your dad, we both work, so you're going to either have to take the bus or ride a bike, the the school bus. So I I still wasn't really on the bike tip. So for a while I took the I took the bus in the morning and the the school bus was like it was like Thunderdome. The bus driver was in no way going to enforce any kind of discipline of any sort unless it involved unless it involved like people getting up and walking around or whatever as long as you stayed in your seat dude did not care what happened so when you factor in that it's early morning and people are weird that there's a bunch of people jammed together in a metal tube it was it was chaos and i I was not into it at all because at this point in my life, I was nowhere near the top of the food chain. So being in the bus with all the dudes who, all the dudes who could murk me, like locked together, I I had to find a way out. So for a while, I actually walked to school. Me and my bro, I would drop him off at Madrone. And then I would continue on to Binkley. It was it was quite a trek. And when you get up like school time, it's it's fairly cold. There's frost on the ground a lot of the time. There's there's fog. It was it was no fun. And this this hastened my need to ride a bike. I had to get up early, 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 and leave early to walk all the way to Binkley and it was it was whack to be honest even riding a bike from the place we were living at the time to Binkley was it was a bit of a trek it's probably like a 20 minute half hour bike ride it's close to 45 minutes to an hour maybe a bit more a bit more walking so I mean realistically taking the bus was the was the smart thing to do but I didn't I didn't want to get punched in the face. I remember one time I was on the school bus to Binkley and a kid in the back, this, this kid's name is Steve and he's going to come up later too. This was, this was a bully of mine at the time. He was a bully of everyone. This kid, this kid was a loon. He was big. He was dirty. He used to wear like, he wore like a denim vest with a t-shirt and he had like, this crazy afro and he had he had a mustache and pimples and stuff and this is like this is like in elementary school this kid was he was deranged i 
I encountered a lot of bullies over the years, and for the most part, a bully just wants to, they want to talk junk at you, maybe give you a shove. It's like few and far between that a bully will punch you anywhere except in the shoulder. It's not like we got face-punching bullies around Rincon Valley, but this guy, this guy transcended beyond a face-punching bully. He... He carried a knife, and I would see him, like, threaten people with the knife all the time. This guy was, this guy was crazy, and he's going to, he's going to come up again after a while. But one time, I was on the bus, and he tossed a rock, like a real honest-to-gosh rock at, not at me necessarily, but just, he threw it forward, like, into the mass of people with no concern for what could happen. And it caught me upside the face, like, just so hard. I remember, I remember I was hit so hard in the face with this rock that, like, I could smell the pain. It, like, it caused me to start smelling this, this super weird smell in the air. I saw stars. I, I went black for a second, but I... I completely no-sold it. That's one thing that I incredibly give myself credit for at the time. Like, this rock hit me. I'm hearing angel music. I'm about to go out. But I played it off like nothing happened. Dudes were like, you just got hit in the face with a rock. And I'm like, eh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But then as I got off the bus, I, I, like, I discovered I had, like, a scratch and I had blood. I still, I still have a small scar underneath where my, where my beard is nowadays from this guy this guy steve and that deadly rock on the bus so incidents like that hastened me to have to learn to ride a bike we we were living in this place we were renting this place and the people who owned it stored a bunch of bunch of like garbage there junk i wouldn't call it garbage it's not garbage it's It's junk, like old wood, things like that. And amongst it was this beat-up Schwinn, like a Schwinn cruiser. And I I got the cruiser out of the junk pile, and the tires still worked. And eventually, this green cruiser was what led me to being able to ride a a bike on my own. I shall... I'm going to take a quick break, and then we will be right back, and we shall tell the tale of the Green Schwinn. Man may have invented the wheel, but Schwinn invented motion. Introducing a shimmering line of sleek new cycles. Now at surprisingly affordable prices. Truly an outstanding performance. From the one and only... Including the new Schwinn Sprint only at your Schwinn dealer. I love a Schwinn. It's a classic brand. It's a classic American thing. A Schwinn bike. I I go back a long way with with a Schwinn. This this green Schwinn that I was just talking about that I pulled out of a out of a garbage pile in in the side yard. The house the house that we were staying in at the time was. It was pretty big. I would like to go into that house today and see if it was if it was as big as I remember. There was like a family room and a living room and a library and four bedrooms and also 
a garage and like a shed, like a shed that they built connected to the side of the house. And the backyard was ginormous. It had like three separate giant wood piles, like wood and garbage and not garbage. I mean to say junk, like metal and wood and things like that that could have value if you if you were the type that was inclined to build things and like I mentioned this green Schwinn was in that pile and I pulled it out this became this became like a seminal bike for me I I first learned how to ride on on this guy it was it was like a cruiser style bike but not with the with the fat cruiser frame that you see a lot today. It had like a thinner, more road bike style frame, but like handlebars that were more like a cruiser. And it only had, it only had one speed and it also had a, like a rack that you could use to carry stuff over the, over the back tire. I learned how to ride by going on the bike, like sitting on the bike and going down the driveway, we had like a really, not really, but we had like a steep driveway that led off into a, into a cul-de-sac. So you could like, you could shoot down there without fear of getting, of getting crushed. And I, I kind of just kept shooting and then I'd go up again and then shoot down again until I eventually got used to like being balanced on the, on the bike. And after a while, I... I started pedaling and stuff. I I picked it up pretty quick once I once I started moving and I became I became like Mr. Bike. I was seriously like biking like up and down the streets. I I was so into it once I once I picked it up, you know. Once you once you start riding a bike, this is like this is like your first taste of freedom, you know. You you start off with the big wheel, and the big wheel gets you around the block, right? And then, eventually, you move up to the bike, and the bike gets you, like, past the block, and to the park, and to the school, and all these, all these other places. And I, I started off with this bike, and eventually, my folks got me a Huffy, a Huffy of my own. The Green Schwinn was a cool bike. I wish I still had it today. It was a really cool, really great bike, but I needed... I needed something that was more like BMXy, you know, and they and they got me this Huffy. I I talked about this one on the top 5 Christmas presents of all the times. They got me the Huff. It was a Huffy Thunder Road. I went back and I listened to that episode. It was episode 130 of the Toys R Us report and I I wanted to check and see what I said about the Huffy Thunder Road. Mostly, I wanted to see the name of the bike. I knew it was a Huffy, but I just could not remember the name Thunder Road. So I said, well, I'll just go back and I'll listen to that part. And in that, I said that we got the Thunder Road in fourth grade. But I I started doing some deep introspective looking. And I, I had completely forgotten about the Green Schwinn that I learned on. I just, I got the timeline wrong, man. This was a long... A long time ago, anything that I say in these shows, it's about, like, the 80s and all that stuff, there's a chance that it's not a thousand percent accurate. I do my best, but memories are, you know, they are what they are. They're very, they're very fleeting. One day they seem one way, the next day you remember something and you realize it wasn't like that at all. It was actually, actually like this. So I got the, I got the Huffy Thunder Road, right, and this was... 
this was like a cooler bike or it seemed like a cooler bike than the Schwinn. One of the issues I had with the Schwinn, I didn't, I didn't want dudes seeing me tootling around on this, on this thing. Like I said in episode 130, all the kids around me had like mongooses and all these deaf BMX bikes. And I'm like, I'm riding around on a Schwinn with a rack. Now, I would think that would be fantastically awesome and I wish I had that bike. But at the time, I needed something different. So my folks went out. And they got me the the Huffy Thunder Road. The Huffy Thunder Road is like a super cool bike when you look at it now. But at the time, it was it was geeky. I liked it myself. It was it was fun to ride. Definitely like a upgrade from the from the Schwinn, which was was pretty rickety. You know, it was pretty old. It made it made creaking sounds and stuff. So having a new bike was fun, but. It was not something that I was, like, super proud of. I didn't ride around and go, check out the Thunder Road, my super banging bike. I, I rode it, but I kind of, I kind of played it on the low. You know, I, I wouldn't, like, I don't know, I wouldn't get into, like, the drag racing with the bike. I wouldn't do, like, wheelies with the dudes. The bike, the Thunder Road was way too heavy to do a wheelie with anyway. This thing, it must have had, like, a solid steel frame because it seemed to weigh, like, 10,000 10,000 pounds. I wish I had that too. I, I've looked around on Craigslist and online and stuff since I, since I dropped that top five where I talked about it and I've seen a couple, but none around here and they seem to be like a, you have to come pick it up kind of thing. I saw one on eBay that was like super far away and you had to go pick it up and it wasn't, it wasn't in great shape. The the Thunder Road had, like, a BMX number plate on the front. And the the one that I saw didn't have the number plate. It was pretty beat up. But I I would definitely get a super beat up one if I saw one at the flea market. If I saw the recognizable giant black seed, I would, I would be all over it. Go online right now. If you're listening and you're on your phone or you're on the... If you're on Facebook or the computer or whatever, go and go and Google Huffy Thunder Road and check that bike out. I'm looking at a picture of it right now, and I do not know what I was thinking at the time. That was that was such a weird reaction to be like, this bike is lame. I guess everyone else had like mongooses with bunny pegs and all this stuff. And I had I had this retro style kind of bike even though even though it did come out in the 80s it's definitely 70s style it's still it's still so great though i i was bugging i would love to have one of those it's a 20 inch bike oh that seat everything just just so gorgeous you know what i used to do on my bike that was just like the lamest thing ever. I was like crazy into King Arthur and his knights. And I would, I would get a stick or even if I could find one, like a small broom handle piece and be like, I'm on my horse, my steed, Guinevere. And I would ride and pretend like I was Excaliburing things with my, with my stick. Like I would ride by and hit other trees and be like, you are smited tree. It was, man, that was like the... That was why people didn't really want to hang out with me at the time. I was too busy riding around with my stick pretending it was Excalibur, smiting other, other, uh, trees. Children's Bargain Town for Huffy Boys or Girls 20-inch Dragster. Bargain Town's low everyday price, $28.87. Toys are us. Bargain Town, 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 Bargain Town.
Bargain Town, Bargain Town, Bargain Town. I had that Huffy for forever. I also would alternate between the Huffy and the Schwinn. The Huffy was fun, but it was ultra heavy, like I like I mentioned. And the Schwinn was much better for a longer ride. Right around the corner from where we were living at the time, there was this this trail that went along the creek it was a it was a pedestrian bike trail and if you if you did it right and you hooked around the highway and got onto the other side it would continue on like almost all the way to downtown it was great it is great it still exists it's not like it's in the past it's awesome because it allows you to bypass traffic the whole way it's just like the straight Nice and smooth bike path, and I would I would take the Schwinn down that from time to time. It was it was pretty cool. It got me like really really far away from the house, but also I didn't have to like I didn't have to interact with cars. I didn't have to do any of that kind of stuff that I that I wasn't into. And still I'm still not like that much into it. I'm not one of those kind of bike riders who's like out in traffic. I I do my best to stick to the bike lane because I don't want to get murked. Doesn't matter whether you have like the right of way or whatever, you will come out on the losing end because you're like you're like on a bike. So I I played as careful as I can and that's always been the strategy that I employ. So I would take the Schwinn down this path and I would zip around downtown a little bit. This was my This was my long-range bike. Another thing that I would do on this was I would, from time to time, take my brother with me, my younger bro, and he would ride on the bike rack. He would, like, he would, like, sit on the bike rack and hold on to the, the seat post. And we would, we would, like, tear around. We would go through the bike trail. We would go around the neighborhood. That was, that was, like, a great memory I have. Another... Another fun memory I have of riding with him was one time we were in Tennessee visiting my grandma. And I I feel like I've told this story before, but it's a bike story, so I want to catalog it with the bike stuff. Me and my bro were spending the summer with my grandma in Tennessee. And we were digging around inside of her barn, and we found a, a Schwinn tandem bike. You know, the kind that two people can ride on at once. It... It was pretty beat up, but we were able to get it, like, not in anywhere near perfect order, but we got it to where we could ride it. Like, we we washed it off, and we put the chain back on, and, like, pumped up the tires, and got everything, got everything, like, as well-maintained as a couple of, like, goofy kids can possibly do. I remember, like, we had one of those, like, old-timey oil cans, like, the kind, like, the Tin Man used in The Wizard of Oz, and we were, like putting oil on the uh on the sprockets and on the chain and stuff that was pretty cool but we got it we got it rolling around and we would we would ride laps around the uh hotel my grandma owned a she had like a big hotel in red boiling springs tennessee and we would we would ride the bike around the uh hotel during the day it was so fun it's it's hard to ride a tandem bike. Having having two people, you have to you have to like stay in pretty decent alignment because it's like it's a long vehicle and if you take the weight of two people and like one's shifting one way and one's shifting the other way, you're going to you're going to have a hard time going around a loop and that's what we were doing. We were we were taking the oval 
the oval around the hotel. That was so much fun. It was hot, man. It is hot in Tennessee, and it is humid, and we would be we would be doing the tandem with me in front, naturally, you know, I am. I am the older of the two. We would be, like, riding loops. Oh, my gosh. I, I look back to that with such, such, you know, happiness, such glee. I, I, can, I can picture it now in my head. Let's see. Around this time, back in the, back in the main timeline, the Huffy Schwinn timeline, I was, I was getting ready to graduate from Binkley to, to, uh, Rinkin Valley Junior High, and I, the first year that I went there, I got a ride to school, my mom would ride, my brother, and me, she would drop him off at Whited and me off at the junior high. And then I would walk from the junior high after school to Whited, pick him up, and then and then go home. And this went on for like the first maybe like year or so. And then my mom ended up signing him up for these after school programs. One was like in Spanish and there was one like science one. I don't... I don't remember the details. That would be his, his boring life. But I, I no longer had to pick him up from school. And this, this opened up like this giant realm of possibilities. And I, I started considering the idea of maybe riding my bike to school. A lot of, if not most of the people I knew at the junior high were riding their bikes to school because it gave you it gave you the opportunity to have your bike after school. You didn't have to you didn't have to make the long trek home on foot. You could jam there on a bike. You could you could ride to the park. You could do all sorts of stuff. It was it was like a whole new realm of fun and I I felt like I wanted to get in on it, but neither the Huffy nor the Schwinn were really like they weren't gonna be the bike that I could take to school. Most of the dudes at the junior high either had the, the like mongoose BMX style thing or like the Cannondale, like the mountain bike, the fancy mountain bike or like the fancy, like the European road bikes. I am not kidding when I tell you dudes around here bought their kids like the most expensive bikes you've ever seen in your life. They had bikes in the eighth grade that are way, way better than the bike I have now, if not any bike I have ever had in my life. There were just a fantastic array of racing bikes, and I'm like, I can't ride the Thunder Road. I can't ride this beat-up old Schwinn, because I will, I will get clowned, but I also knew that my folks were not going to spring for a fancy new bike. When one day I was watching Channel 2, KTVU, Oakland, San Jose, San Francisco, when I saw something, something that changed everything. Only at Matthews can you get a fully assembled 18-speed mountain bike or touring bike included with hundreds of audio video items. Fisher, complete home stereo system, 248. Get a bike. Zenith, 25-inch stereo, 598. Get a bike. Sanyo Digital Car Cassette 298. Get car stereo installation while you wait. Your bike! Get your bike while they last. No payment till April. Matthews, Top of the Hill, Daily City. Yeah, man, you heard that right. If you went to Matthews Top of the Hill, Daily City, and you bought something like a stereo, car stereo, TV, or whatever, you got a free bike. I I saw this and I was like. I gotta get that bike. I gotta convince my folks in some way to buy something from there so I can get that bike. So I 
I started going to work on them. I'm like, hey, we need a stereo, right? We need a new TV, right? We need a new something, right? I mean, if you're going to get one of those things anyway, you could just get it at Matthews and I could, I could get the bike. And this, this took a bit of doing. They were, of course, skeptical of the, of the whole thing like anybody Anybody would be, but after a lot of poking, a lot of prodding, a lot of pestering, I was able to convince my dad to get a new car stereo for his Isuzu Pup, his beige Isuzu Pup truck, and I got myself a Forenzi mountain bike from Matthews Top of the Hill Daily City. I can still, I can still remember that trip. I was so jazzed. He and I went together, and we... We would do things just the two of us from time to time, but for the most part, it was like me, him, and my bro. This was a rare, a rare one-on-one trip, and I was so jazzed. He, I could tell he was a bit skeptical, a bit nervous. He was probably thinking, like, we're gonna go there, and this whole thing is gonna be, like, a big scam, and I'm not gonna get a bike, and this kid is gonna complain the whole way home. I know that's what I... I would be thinking as a parent if I were in that position. I I know he was right too. I would complain the whole way. But we got the bike and it was an amazing thing to me. I couldn't believe it. Like we got a stereo and then I got a bike for free. I I did a bit of research into this. I, I wondered why Matthew's Top of the Hill Daily City was able to give away a bike. And here's how... Here's how it turns out. A million billion of these of these Forenzi bikes were imported by a San Francisco wholesaler. He he was going to try to flip them to a bike shop, but for whatever reason, they were not up to the American code, but there was like a weird loophole where you couldn't sell the bike, but you could give them away. So he was able to like sell them at a super discounted price to Matthews, Top of the Hill, Daily City, who used them as a promotional item for years. You saw those, you saw those Matthews commercials like two, three times a day if you watch Channel 2, Channel 44, any of the local channels. Oddly enough, I was the only dude I knew who rode a Forenzi bike. It probably had to do with like the upscale Rinkin Valley bike no one was going to be bombing through the streets on one of these guys. But hey, man, I I did have a degree of shame, but that shame was also more along the realistic tip because I knew I wasn't going to get a Cannondale. I had to settle and be happy with a frenzy. Only at Huge Matthews can you choose a mountain bike or touring bike with hundreds of audio video items from as low as $168. Full-size, fully assembled 15-speed bikes. What a gift. Come get yours with a Fisher Complete Home Hi-Fi System with compact disc player $4.98 with bike. Super Sony 19-inch Trinitron Color TV, $3.98 with bike. Sanyo Digital AM FM Cassette Car Stereo and Speakers, $1.98 with bike. Installation daily till midnight. Matthews, top of the hill, Daily City. At Matthews, you could either get a road bike, you know, like a 10-speed, or you could get a mountain bike. I envisioned myself like careening around hills and jumping over stuff, doing backflips off ramps. So I I got the mountain bike. It seemed like the more durable of the two. If you don't know what you might be doing, it seems like a safe pick to get a mountain bike. If you're only going to be traveling on the road, get a road bike. They're much faster. But I think for kids and stuff, mountain bikes are the, the better choice. So I got a Frenzy mountain bike. It was black and it said... Forenzy on the side in like the sort of 
sort of like fall themed. It was like orange and yellow and white letters on the on the side on the sticker. The the bike had I don't know how many gears. I I'm not like a gear dude on the bike. I I tend to stick to one of three. You know, the the hardest gear, the one that's hardest to pedal, the one that is like near the lightest to pedal, and then one in the middle. I usually just stick to the middle one, you know, I, I don't know, I've never really gotten the hang of, like, the massive, the massive gear shift, even today, I ride, like, a one-speed bike, I prefer to, I prefer to just go through the power of my legs, not the, not the trickery of gears, you know, but at any, at any rate, I got the mountain bike, and this was a, this was a game changer. I started getting myself to school every morning and then every day after school I had my bike and I would I would ride over to Ben Franklin's and check out the GI Joes or I would ride over to Montecito Park and kick it. This was back this was back before they had Marilla Gorilla High School out there. The the high school was just a just a giant vacant lot and people would go and fly kites and there were also there were also like small areas where people would kind of like BMX over small holes and whatever and sometimes we'd go there and ride our mountain bikes around in the dirt we would go we would go to Garfield Park but Garfield Park was dangerous there was one there was this one tree where bullies would hang out and if you if you got caught out there you might get like you might get pushed back and forth between two or three people or whatever. These were like these were like high school kids who smoked cigarettes and they sat by this by this tree just waiting waiting for people. Sometimes you could go by. If you could build up enough speed, you could just zip by. Sometimes these creeps would like actually jump in the trail, get in front of you, grab a hold of your handlebars and stuff. It was it was dangerous. We didn't go through Garfield Park as much as we would go through Montecito Park. We would ride that trail, that trail after school, just generally, generally ride around Rinkin Valley. But the mornings, but the, uh, the mornings are what I think of the most fondly. I would ride to school with this kid named Mark and Mark lived in another region of Rinkin Valley and he would get started, come down and I would meet him at the outer rim of Garfield Park, kind of kind of like halfway in between, and we would ride together to school. Back in the day, it seemed like it was really foggy every day. We had to leave pretty early. We had to leave around like 7, sometimes even before 7, to make it in time, because it was it was a bit of a ride, and we, we wanted to stop and get donuts. That's what made it, like, really cool. Tan's Donuts was over by the A&B Market. It was between the A&B Market and the Ben Franklin's, and we would stop in the morning and get donuts every day. Every day, I would order the exact same thing. It was called a Lemon Moon. It was a chocolate donut with lemon-flavored jelly in the middle. Every single day, I would order a Lemon Moon. All I wanted was to go in there and have the lady go, Lemon Moon, when I would walk up like I was a regular because I was coming every single school day. But she never, not never did that once. One time I decided to kind of maybe push the situation a bit. And I said, I'll have the usual. And she looked at me and said, what's that? And I'm like, Lemon Moon. And and she handed me my Lemon Moon and I would eat it out front in the freezing cold and then go to school. I wonder how... I was able to make it all the way to lunch with only the power of a lemon moon inside of me. Also, you have to tack on that I rode like 40 minutes to school. That's, that's crazy. Nowadays, I eat my oatmeal and my turkey bacon and I'm like, 
I'm like famished within an hour and a half. I couldn't even imagine making an all the way, all the way to lunch, adding a 40 minute bike ride on top of all the, all the normal stuff I do in the morning. It's crazy. Our metabolisms were so, so different. So I would ride to school every day with Mark. We'd stop and get the lemon moon. And as you would enter into the school, into the bike rack, the bike rack at the time was gigantic. I still sometimes go over to the middle school to like shoot hoops or throw frisbees or whatever. And the the bike rack that we used is now just, it's a fenced in area with all the racks pushed up against the wall and they use it for outdoor storage. They have like fencing supplies, stuff like that, like industrial type storage out back. And the, the actual bike rack that the kids use has room for maybe like five or six or seven, let's just say up to 10 bikes at the absolute most. The old bike rack was gigantic. I'm not even exaggerating when I say I think you could fit 150 bikes in there. And a lot of times there was no room for your bike. It's probably more like 50 bikes now that I, now that I kind of put it in, in the actual view of my mind. It seems like maybe it's more like 50, but it's a, it's a lot, a lot, lot, lot more. I guess, I guess kids don't ride in the morning like they used to. When I, when I got to take 2.0 to the school, I don't see a lot of kids on bikes. I see some kids walking but I guess parents are too nervous to let their kids ride bikes, you know, in in the morning traffic. But I used to do it. Mark used to do it. And seemingly everybody else in the school would do it at the time. As, as you would go up and approach the bike rack, the cool kids, the coolest of the cool, would step over. They would step over the frame of their bike and ride both feet on the pedal, kind of gliding into the into the rack it was it was a cool move i would try it from time to time and i could i could pull it off i don't think i could pull that move off now it was it was a bit of a risky move and i'm surprised that i tried it back in the day most of the times i did do it but i do remember one time that i that i completely stacked that's what they would say you stacked i remember i tried to step over scrub the whole thing fell sideways stacked tore my shirt and i had to go had to go through school all day with like this torn shirt and people people pointing laughing at me and remembering how I uh how I fell on the ground it was wet as I recall it was raining I could still kind of picture it in my head I stepped over blammo right on the ground I don't want to get anything twisted in this story as much as I enjoyed the frenzy I I liked it it was it was a piece of junk the the gears stopped working pretty pretty soon after I got it, so I was always having to wiggle the shifter to get it to like stay in stay in a gear. The brakes hardly they hardly work. This might be part of the reason that I stacked. Who who knows? But nevertheless, I I loved having this bike. It was faster than the Schwinn. It was faster than the Huffy. It was it was fine. It wasn't a Cannondale. It wasn't anything like that. But I I was like super happy to have it. People would occasionally cap on it. They would cap how I got, how I must have got like a VCR and got a free bike. But it's not, it's not much of a diss because they're dissing the fact that you now own a VCR and that you also got a bike thrown in. It's not, it's not much of a diss. The Frenzy and I were, we were together forever, like Run DMC. 
tougher than leather. I I rode that thing everywhere, just all over Rinkin Valley. I loved it. I I will now I will now tell you the final fate of the Schwinn. One day I was riding into school in the morning and I went and I parked my bike into the rack. I injected the tire, the wheel, into the slot and I proceeded to wrap my chain around it. You gotta make sure you have a lock. I had a I had a lock that had blue plastic around the outside of it. It was one of those one of those bike locks that had the numbers. You know, it was like a cylinder and the you would inject the two pieces together and then you would have to like get the four numbers in a row to open it up. It was one of those and it was blue and I I wrapped it around and I shut it when all of a sudden that bully, that kid named Steve, who I mentioned earlier, he came up and he was just like, what are you doing, dude? And he kicked my bike wheel with like maximum force, like a maximum pump kick right to the wheel. And it, it got horribly bent. And when he saw how it got bent, he, he just started cracking up. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? As an adult, I realized you can go down to the bike peddler and get a new, get a new wheel for like 30 bucks. But this was, this was like the end of the world to me. I, I was no longer able to ride this bike. I remember me and Mark took it over to this dude we knew. His name was Billy. Billy was like crazily into mountain biking. We call him, we called him Mountain Billy. He was a, he was a pal of ours. We went up to Mountain Billy's house. And I was like, dude, is there anything you can do? to fix this wheel and he he took it off and he put it like in a vice or whatever and he he kind of beat on it with a mallet and he's told me that sometimes you know you bend your wheel and you can kind of knock it back into into place with a mallet it was not quite l-shaped but it was it was almost that he was able to get it to where I could sort of write it, not not really well, because he messed up the whole everything. He messed up the forks that held it in place. This guy, this guy, like, he ruined it so bad for me. I I wonder sometimes what happened to this kid, Steve. This kid was nuts. He would, he would like, throw rocks at birds, and he had the kind of accuracy where he could hit them. I saw him hit at least three birds with rocks. He would... He would cold punch kids in the stomach. He had a knife. He was always pulling knives on dude. This guy, this guy was nuts. And he seemed like three, four years older than should be in middle school. To me, in my memory, this kid seemed almost like a high school, like a high school senior. But he was at the, at the junior high with us. And then one day that dude, Steve, just, he just disappeared. I don't know if he quit coming to school or if he got arrested for murder or whatever, but he just, he just vanished, but he didn't vanish before destroying the frenzy. I, I was so mortified by this whole thing. It was one of the, one of the most traumatic experiences, you know, all of a sudden I had, I had lost something that I used, not like once a day, but once a day to go to school, once a day to go back. So I had to go back to walking to school. I, I don't even know if I ever told my parents about all this. I don't know what happened. I just sort of put the frenzy in the side yard and it, it rusted away over the years. I went for years and years without a bike. I didn't get another one until, until actually my brother got one. He got a, he got a Huffy mountain bike and for whatever reason, he didn't like to ride it. So it just, 
it would just sit in the yard and I I adopted it. This was like well into high school. I probably I probably should have had a car by this point, but I didn't. I would bus over to Santa Rosa High and then bus back. And then when I was when I was around Rick and Valley, I would like ride over to my friends' houses and hang out with them. I'd ride over to my friend John's house. I'd ride over to the dude Devil T's house. And then we would just kind of like, I don't know, I would ride the bike and he would walk. And sometimes I would pull him on his skateboard and we would we would goof all around Rick and Valley kind of kind of aimlessly. There was like these years where I would just kind of Kind of aimless, riding the bike around, goofing around, doing whatever. But bikes have always been something that I that I really, really am fond of. I enjoy the feeling of the feeling of just like being out there, like being out in the actual air, moving myself around through the force of my will, through the force of my own physical strength. Let's uh let's take a quick commercial break and then we'll be back. We'll. We'll get ready to wind it in, I think. This, yeah, we'll get ready. We'll, we'll think about it. We'll consider, we'll consider the winding process. We'll be back in a sec. I wish I had a bike that could go far. I could climb over anything. And spin like this. Happy birthday, son. B.S.A. Mongoose, nothing is impossible. The Mongoose, everybody at Binkley had a Mongoose, except for your dude. Your dude had a Huffy Thunder Road. So where we left off was kind of, kind of near the modern day. I am still into riding a bike. I have a, it's like a one-speed bike made by Columbia. I ride... Maybe three, I try to do three, four times a week. I I like to just get out there and zip up some hills. But in, in between that huffy and adulthood, there were, there were many, many bikeless years until one day I was at, I was at the Goodwill over, over by where the Kmart used to be, and I found a, I found a Schwinn that was just like the Schwinn from the woodpile. I picked it up, and there was this period of time I became like a, sort of like a Schwinn collector. I picked up this one, and then I picked up a blue one, and then I picked up another blue one that I liked that I saw a homeless guy riding. I went up to him and I offered him a hundred bucks for his bike. I, I had more money then. This was before we had we had good old 2.0. So I was rocking a lot of Schwins, and then I went out and I bought a a new Schwinn. I liked having these vintage ones, but the problem with vintage bikes is that they look good and they're fun to ride, but they're like vintage cars in that you can't you can't rely on them for like your day to day transportation. So I had them hanging in hooks in the in the garage and I I went to Target and I picked up a like a modern Schwinn cruiser. It was red. It had like ape hanger handlebars and I started I started jamming this all over the place again. I would 
I'd come home from work and jump on the bike and ride around, and I I started getting heavily into it. Like, I started getting into it crazy. I would make up these routes, and I would see if I could beat my previous time around these routes. I, I started feeling it. I got to the point where I started riding my bike to work to and fro every day I would get up early and I would take the same bike trail that I mentioned earlier the one that ran all the way to downtown and I would ride my bike to work every day I I was in the best shape of my of my life and that's not that's not saying a lot but my work was downtown and that was it was roughly six miles so I was riding six miles there and six miles back every day I look back at that time with a real fondness that was for sure the peak of my bike life I went out and I actually bought another bike I got another bike at the Goodwill around this time for a while the Goodwill that was over by where the Kmart used to be for a while they were they were pulling out like all kinds of really neat vintage bikes and I I can't resist a Schwinn. I think today even if I if I saw a Schwinn at the Goodwill at a good price I'd grab it. I I like them, but I bought another one. This was a Dunelt. It is a British company. The bike was a 3-speed. It was like like a World War II up into the 50s style 3-speed bike. It was really really beautiful and I I fixed it up and I started riding that one for a while. That bike, that bike was super fast in comparison to the cruiser that I also that I also had. It was the gears, you know. The gears the gears were something that still kind of confounded me. It always felt like they were slipping out or not working right. The bike was ancient. So there is that, but also I I wasn't really able to repair them myself. I don't know. I'd never had them on a bike and I still don't really so I'm not I'm not as sharp on the repairing of the gears as I am as replacing inner tubes, changing out tires, doing things, doing the more common things that you do with a cruiser, but I I really liked that bike. It didn't last long. The daily 6-mile, 12-mile grind tore it to a tore it to pieces slowly over time. I recall riding it and it was it was really rickety. It would it would shudder and as I would go along pieces would fall off from time to time like a bolt here or like a nut here and at one point one of the one of the fenders wore off fell off rather. I I did my best to repair them, but it was always it was always just so shaky that things would just fall off. So I retired that one. I ended up selling that bike at the flea market. I had it I had it in my garage for a long time and I never rode it and I I felt like there had to be somebody out there who would really love this bike because it was a beautiful bike, really, really awesome to look at. And if you if you took the time to put it back together, it could be a real showpiece. But I need a bike you can ride. I do like having bikes to look at, but I need one that I could ride. And they didn't want to take up the space in the garage, so I took it. I took it out to the Mojo Sales. I think I got somewhere between like seventy-five and ninety bucks. I can't recall. I know it wasn't a hundred. I I wanted like a hundred for it, but he. He talked me down a bit. The thing about bringing a bike to the flea market is like you unloaded it, you set it up, and then when it comes time at the end to reload it into the truck, you're just like, Ugh, I want to sell this. I'll just, I'll take what I can get. That's the thing with big items. After a while, you're just like, I just need to get rid of this. The idea of picking it up, putting it back in the truck, taking it home, bringing it out, bringing it down, putting it back. It's all, it's all just so, eh, for something that I don't even don't even really want in the first place. So I sold that and I 
I was happy. The dude who who bought it, he I I can still see him. He rode off, like he jumped on it, and he just rode away, and he rode right out of the flea market. And I was like, hope you guys, hope you guys have a good time together, man. You know, you spent time with me. You undoubtedly spent time with many other people, and now you're moving on to somebody else. It's interesting when you when you think about the path some of the items you have in your life may have taken. That bike was with me for a while, and now it's living with somebody else. I hope that that person fix it up. I hope that person rides it. I I really don't care, but it's nice to think that they're having fun with it. So that one, that went to the wayside, and I went back to the, the Red Schwinn Cruiser. It was... A very, very reliable bike. And I know when you think cruiser, you think like a big, a big fat bike with a basket and stuff. But this was more of a sleeker style bike. It just, it just so happened to have only one speed. And it was, it was kind of in that beach cruiser style, but it was, it was much thinner, much sleeker. I was able to go, I was able to go really fast on this bike. There were times where I felt like I was, I was trucking along at like 20 miles an hour. After a while, I got, I got so good at riding a bike. This was really like the overall athletic peak of my life, I think. I was really good at going super fast for super long periods of my life. I've been I've been okay at other things. Like I I'm a pretty good swimmer. We had a pool when I was cut up. I was good at swimming. I I played basketball for one year in school. I'm okay at basketball. You know, I played some baseball and stuff, but I was never never like super good. I feel like I could have maybe been a pretty good bike rider if I if I'd stuck with it for the super long lifetime term and I was dedicated and I got got a fast bike. Now I don't think I could be Lance Armstrong or anything, but I could maybe maybe compete in some local style races and stuff. I was able to I was able to keep the maximum pace up for a really really long time. After a while I was practically sprinting the whole way home, which was which was pretty neat. Not the whole entire way home, but like once I once I hit that bike trail, I'd have to go down past Montgomery Village and then down a few more streets. But once I hit that trail, it was all space trucking the whole way. I was, I was like Rapid Roy, that stock car boy, but on a on a bike. Oh, Rapid Roy, that stock car boy, he too much to believe. You know he always got an extra pack of cigarettes. Up in his t-shirt sleeve. He got a tattoo on his arm. I said, baby, he got another one that just say hey. I see Robux Radio. I see Robux Radio. I see Robux Radio. So as I was saying, I could I could go pretty fast. I would do this trail at the maximum velocity that I could. I truly believe that there is a maximum velocity that one can attain on a on a one-speed bike, and I, I believe that I was at it or near it. I, I got really competitive with myself. I would try to do this trail bit as fast as I could. If I if I saw somebody on a bike up ahead, like way down ahead of me, I would do everything I could do short of ripping my legs off of my, of my hips to catch them. I would, I would catch everybody. It became like a real, a real big deal to me. If I saw somebody, I had to pass them. And I, I did, man, I got to be a pretty fair bike rider at this point in my life. I was I was in good shape, I was happy, I was, I was doing great, and then, 
then one day I was coming home from from the work and I I was going through a intersection. I had I had the right of way. The right of way was mine, but I will I will say this. I said it before, I'll say it again. I am so cautious. The right of way will not protect your body from getting hit by a car. Sure, it'll help you in court or whatever, but who cares about court when you got a when you got a broken pelvis, you know, I would much rather have a have a healthy body than a bunch of money. So I I play it cautious, man. But I was I was going through this intersection and I had right of way. And this guy, this guy was looking down. I don't know what he was looking at. I have no idea. He was looking down and I saw him and I'm like, this guy is going to hit me. And he did hit me. The thing was, he was not going fast. So I was... I was not that hurt. I I was knocked down, which is which is never which is never fun, but I wasn't I wasn't hurt. I had a little bit of bruising. It was no big deal. My bike was fine. I I got up. I gave him a look like you just hit me. And he looked at me like you're in in the way kind of is how I how I took it. We we exchanged information and everything, but he wasn't as kind as I would be, I think if I if I hit somebody with my car, I would be, I would be so happy that they were not hurt. If I hit somebody, I would be horrified that I hurt them. If I saw them, I saw them just get up. I would be, I would be so thankful to whatever above that I, that I didn't hurt somebody. I would hate to carry that on my conscience that I, I would be, I would be very, I'd be very apologetic to them just, just because I don't want to be the one. But this guy was like, hey, you know. It, um, things like this happen, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, I left with a real bad taste in my mouth. And as I, as I got back into writing in the days afterwards, I, I felt like I, I had lost my nerve. It takes a certain amount of nerve to ride a bike to and fro. I, I play it safe, like I said, but it takes, it does take a certain amount of nerve because you're putting yourself out there. And due to this incident, I... I really lost my nerve. I I started I started writing more cautiously. I started writing slower and then I kind of stopped writing altogether. I remember one day it was rainy and normally I would ride in the rain. I would put on a raincoat. I had fenders. I was fine. I would ride in the rain, but it was raining and I said, mm, I think I'm just gonna just gonna get a ride to work or whatever. And then slowly over time I stopped I stopped doing it altogether and I it all goes back to this one incident of getting hit. And I'm sure I'm not the only guy that this has happened to, but I got hit. I didn't get hurt. And but I but I kept thinking that what if I would have gotten hurt? What if I would have gotten killed? What if I would have hit my head? It started it was keeping me up at night. It was really it was really messing with my head and I I had to stop. I feel like up until that point, the idea that I might get hit, it had it had, of course, occurred to me, but it didn't seem like that it would happen. I felt like if I keep my head on the swivel, if I stay alert, if I ride cautiously, I should be able to make it through without without having any incident. Because it's not like people are trying to hit you. They're trying not to hit you. People are people are actively trying to avoid you. Sure, every once in a while, somebody will like aggressively, aggressively buzz right, right next to you. But for the most part, people are very cautious. People are very considerate. And I'm also, I'm also a very considerate bike rider. I stay as near to the side as I can. I will sometimes ride on the sidewalk if the, if there's a lot of cars parked on the side and it might push me out in the traffic. I'm very, I'm very, very cautious. And I, 
I think getting hit just, it took all my nerve, man. And it really, it ruined everything for me. And I, I slowly, I slowly stopped and the bike got moved from the front of the garage to the back of the garage, just completely unused. But then there was a major life incident that brought the, that brought the bike back into my life. The Tubbs fire grew to become the most destructive wildfire in California's history, ripping through the northern city of Santa Rosa. Yeah, so we're actually standing on top of the parking garage of Kaiser Permanente. And if you look back behind me, you can see what's left of the Journeys in Mobile Home Park. When I woke up the morning of the Tubbs fire last October, the the air was super thick with smoke and we could... We could see flames, but you could not see where the flames were coming from. They were on they were on the other side of the middle school, the one that I went to, the one that I was talking about earlier. But you could not see where they were, and I I knew I had to get I had to get closer. I was I was talking to my neighbors and we all needed some some up-to-date info. So I I'm like, you gotta go over there and you gotta see. I was super scared. I didn't know I didn't know what to find, but I was like, I gotta, I gotta have the most accurate information so I know what to do and what, what is, what is going on. So I, I thought about it for a little bit and I'm like, how can I, how can I get over there? Cause some of the roads were blocked. There was, there was all kinds of just everything everywhere. There were like pieces of stuff falling, falling from the sky. It was, it was madness. And I am just like, how can I get over there? And I, I thought about it for a second. I'm like, if I go over this way. And then hook through the junior high. I can, I can pop out of the parking lot and be right over where everything's going on and get a get a bird's eye view. And I, I'm like, okay, you got to do it. You got to do it. I was scared. I'm not even, I'm not even kidding. I was scared. It was a scary situation. I'm like, you gotta, you gotta do it. So, I told the wife, I'm like, you keep an eye. You keep watering the house. That's what we were doing at the time because they were like embers, you know, falling from the sky. So we're we're trying to keep the roof wet and we're like watering the the bushes cuz we don't want anything to catch fire from these embers. We're we're putting out like little fires in the backyard. Like things are falling, like falling pieces of wood are are coming down. It was it was terrible. I'm like, "You guys, you and 2.0, you keep you keep doing this. I'm going to go and I'm going to I'm going to get get a bird's eye bird's eye view." And I I said, I'm taking the bike and I I hadn't been on the bike in quite a long time but I'm like I'm taking the bike it was the fastest the fastest way I could think to get there because a car our car wouldn't be able to make it the the roads were blocked but I had to I had to see so I I pulled the bike out of the garage and I I grabbed a bandana and I wrapped it around my my nose and my face and I I hopped on the bike and I I started going as fast as I could I went down I went around the corner through the junior high and there was one tunnel that I had to go through. It was like a pedestrian tunnel at the at the middle school, and I I had to go through that. And it was it was completely full of smoke. I could tell there wasn't fire on the other side, and it was just smoke that was trapped in there, and that I was gonna have to I was gonna have to get through to see. But I you know super scared. But I, I I pushed through on the bike. Me and the bike went through, and I I popped out, and I could see that the fire was at Oak Park, and that Oak Park was on fire, and that this was. This was the real deal. This was the disaster that you think is never going to befall you is in fact befalling you right now. So I I looked around, I talked to a fireman for a second and I I headed back. I just turned around on my bike and I went as fast as I could back home to to start getting ready to to get out of here or to fight the fire. I had no idea what was going to happen, but I had to go 
and get get ready for it. And I, I pass a couple of my neighbors. I talk to I talk to Bob, the DA. He's like, so what's going on? And I told him and he was like, maybe we should get some shovels and we could go over there. And I said, yeah, maybe. But I, I did not know this was this was just this was chaos. And then the next thing I know, the the SRPD were going up and down the street, beating on doors, screaming, everybody has to evacuate. The fire's coming now, now, now. And we just started throwing anything that we could into the back of the into the back of the truck. Just this was like we're thinking this is all you know, all we're gonna be able to save from the house. We're throwing anything we can. And I last thing I grabbed the bike and I I threw it in the truck because I realized I can't get by without you. I need you. We've been separated for a long time, but but I need you. Fortunately, everything turned out fine. They were able to stop the fire near where we live. It's fine as far as we're concerned, not fine for thousands and thousands of other people, but everything turned out all right. We went to my sister-in-law's house to to kind of hide, you know, we were evacuated. We were refugees and I had the bike and I would ride around her neighborhood while we were there just just to make sure there weren't things on fire because even though she lived like way across town, they were like they were like burning embers falling from the sky. Nobody knew anything. It was it was just madness. And then we went we went back home and we were we were in our in our neighborhood and I was on the the Santa Rosa subreddit and I was I was talking to people and all these people all these people kept asking if this thing were burned or if this thing were burned. People People who had been evacuated from their homes. We weren't supposed to come back to our house yet, but we came back. We came back anyway. And all these people who lived around us who were evacuated were asking, is my house still there? Is is Oliver's Market still there? Is Ozzy's Grill still there? Is any is any of that still there? Nobody knew anything. There was news going around that Marilla Gorilla High School had burned down and that the that the middle school it was gone. So I started taking my my bike around to these places people were asking about just so I could come back and tell them whether it was still there or not. I was going I was going to people's addresses. People were like, I can't get near my house. Can you can you go over to can you go over to Sunshine and see if it's still there? And I and I would and I would go back to Reddit and write to people, yes, it's still there. So me and the bike me and the bike became connected again through through this through this disaster, it turned out to be like a real godsend. I was able to get it into places that cars couldn't go. It was a lot of places were blocked off, and I was able to get the bike into these into these places. It turned out to be just just a true godsend, and I I've kept that momentum up. I I was able to I was able to find it inside of me again to become a bike dude. I've started riding. I go two, three, sometimes four times a week. I'll, I'll ride these hills. There's all these hills around me. I'm trying to get back. I'm trying to get back into the shape that I once was. I want to be able to zip like the entire six miles of uh, like Rapid Roy, like Rapid Roy, that stock car boy. I want to be, I want to be him again. And I think that I think that I can. I, I'm finding that it's coming back to me a lot faster than I than I thought. I got I got like a year or so in of of training. I don't know. It's it's harder as you get older to be in shape like you were when you were younger. But I think I think it can be done. I think it's possible. I just gotta 
I gotta stick with it. I recently had to replace the back rim of my bike. It was it was super, super rickety, shaking back and forth, so I went over to the bike peddler, and I had to do that. I I like little little bike maintenance chores. You know, they, they're always simple. They make you feel good. You get this nice sense of accomplishment. You get to go back on your bike and ride. I... I have recently started patching inner tubes. For some reason, I always pop my inner tubes. I I ride a reckless life, man. I guess. I always got thorns. I always got something. So I would normally just toss them and get another one. But I, I'm like, you know, forget that. So I took one and I cut it up into small little snips. And I have started patching up little, little holes that pop up. That makes me... That makes me feel good. You know, it's nice to, um, nice to repair something instead of just, instead of just replacing it. I, I don't know if you guys ride bikes. I don't, I don't know. I don't know in other parts of the country if people, people ride bikes as much as in California. In California, riding a bike is just, it's just kind of a matter of course. I, I hope you do. It's good for you. It's fun. It's nice to, it's nice to go somewhere with the power of just your own body. It feels good. You get a real real sense of accomplishment, even if you just ride down to Paperbacks Unlimited and grab a Star Trek Voyager novel, you get a real, real, real sense of accomplishment in that you got there under your own power. So I, I, I see robots recommend bike riding to you with, with my highest five mic rating. So I think that's about it. This one's a bit shorter than a lot of them, but I think it's good. I think you got some good content. You got some good stories. Um, so I don't know. Until next time, this is me, I see Robot, signing off. This is Boring Life, episode 11. Bikes. This boring life. I can't get with boring. This boring life. Oh. This boring life. I can't get with boring. Boring life. This boring life. This boring life Oh This boring life Can't get my boring has been I See Robots Radio production. I See Robots Radio is a listener-supported in Deha. If you like what we do and we make your day a little easier, please consider tossing a few bucks our way to help keep the life support running. All money collected goes to help us prepare for future space pirate attacks. Go on over to supportthereport.com for all the details. Thanks and have a great week.